0: Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So I've always wanted to... um, I don't know, ever since... Like in high school, everybody told me I was really good at dancing. Um, But like when I actually look back at it, I was probably terrible. And this week's guest was actually a B-boy in New York City, which is just absolutely nuts. Um, But it always brings me back to the... Like, anytime I think of anyone dancing, it always brings me back to how bad of a dancer Q was in college.
1: (laughs) I was never a bad dancer. I was just drunk. (laughs) 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 Probably. Because I used to dance competitively, too. Not many people know that about you, but I did. It
0: honestly seems like... There was a, a point in time, if you knew us in college, you you know what I'm talking about. But um, if you didn't, this is going to be really weird. But there's a point in time where everyone called Q Squidward. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if anybody's listening or has watched SpongeBob probably that's listening right now. But Squidward has this one dance where his <laughs> limbs just like kind of like go nuts. And we always thought Q would be doing that. It, <laughs> it just makes so much sense.
1: On a a more related note, uh, (laughs) great episode you got coming here. Yeah. Um, Clearly, we've had a long day. (laughs) We had on uh, Bernie
0: Groves from Extra Butter. Really extremely dope dude. Um, We go into a lot, like everything from the collaborations he's worked on, like how his upbringing has really shaped who he is today, um, and then like how he's being he's using COVID to kind of uh, propel the brand and himself um, to become somebody else and to utilize his influence for, for good. And that's something that a lot of people um, are really recognizing now. Like They have this massive influence, but what, what's, what good is that influence if it's not really doing anything other than bringing in a, a check that really doesn't really matter at the end of the day? Exactly, uh, but I think <laughs> I think Q is extremely hungry. Um, I'm sure he hasn't ate in four days like usual. So we're gonna roll right into this episode with Bernie. Well, uh, today we have on Bernie Gross from Extra Butter, and I'm extremely excited uh, because this was one of um, Dids's first recommendation. Uh, Dids is the producer <laughs> of the podcast. And, um, after I followed Bernie and, and hit him up, he actually responded relatively quickly uh, via DM on Instagram. Um, Ernie, thank you for jumping on. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Yeah, no, no problem. I, I think, uh, there's a ton of people that, uh, are listening today that we've taken them throughout, uh, s- almost seven or at the, at the point of this podcast, seven chapters, to say, of this podcast. And we've gone through... It's really... We started the podcast when we first started our business. And it's been really cool just seeing the transition from uh, who we're interviewing and everything like that. And just hearing the overall... I, f- I feel like the, the conversations have gotten progressively smarter, um, to say, and I think you're, uh, you fit in perfectly with the the smarter conversations that we, we're continuing to have. Do you want to go into
2: who you are and what you do and, and where you come from? Yeah, um, appreciate that. Um, I, <clears throat> I was born and raised in New York and grew up in streetwear and, you know pursuing my <clears throat> pursuing my my uh, desire my design career I wanted to find a way to basically bring those two together and so I started going after pretty niche uh, marketing jobs um, small agencies and eventually, I was able to kind of transition back into the more streetwear-focused world and pursue my, my passion through Extra Butter, uh, which is a premier sneaker and streetwear boutique in New York. And I mean, I have deep roots with them from you know uh, my, my, my previous experience in retail. But I think that where I excel and where Extra Butter excels as a brand is that we take our love for film and the things that inspire us within street culture and we bring them to life with very unique, meaningful um, experiences and retail experience uh, and, and like retail activations.
0: You guys are, are doing things the right way. And that's one of the things that I saw in if, if, Somebody hasn't gone to the store or anything like that. Um, definitely, at least walk by at night. It's a very, very dope activation that they have just inside their store. Um, but you, you mentioned you, you guys have a love for film. Um, do you want to go into the name Extra Butter and
2: how how that came about and how you guys kind of lean into film? Yeah, sure. Um, so, Extra Butter was co-founded uh, by Ankar Amin, Nick Amin and Jay Faustino. And <clears throat> we we were all working for Nick and Anker um, with their original footwear business, Renarts. Um, they've been in the business for over 30 years now. And they were more, you know, mom and pop, sit and fit uh, organization. You know, if you think of like, you know, old school, you know, what, what Foot Locker used to be, it was pretty much that. But Jay, myself, and a couple other friends, we were working for them, and we were already privy to what was going on, you know, 30 minutes away in Manhattan. And, you know, on the weekends, we would take the train in or drive into Williamsburg, uh, uh, drive over the Williamsburg Bridge into LES and just, you know, kind of study what was going on from a retail point of view. And we brought it back to Renarts. And so the idea was to, Take the very grassroots, very community-driven model of RenArts, where it still champions customer service, but elevate the product and elevate the way you merchandise the product. And so what we wanted to do was have a very unique concept in the way we provide that experience. And so we were really into the idea of doing a, con- uh, a, a concept shop, and we thought, you know, all of us are always talking about film at work, you know, during downtime. And so extra butter became, you know, the embodiment of like our love for film, you know, like extra butter in your popcorn. And the the double entendre of that is that butter is, you know, OG New York slang. If someone said, yo, those are butter, they're basically complimenting you that you're wearing something of quality or you look smooth, you know, like you're just like a like a like a well put together cool cat. And so like we like that idea of like, you know, we want to be able to be very inclusive and open our doors to people who either already love the culture and 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 love the brands that that we love or maybe they're just not hip to it yet and they come in and they want to learn and we're there to put them on and add flavor to their style, the way butter would to popcorn.
1: Speaking of like learning, because um, I know a lot of our listeners, like we, like Izzy was saying earlier, like we started, it was just like, yo, like here's the beginning of our business to now, you know, and we were just interviewing entrepreneurs. Then we kind of opened it up and we started doing creative things, you know, and now we're moving more into like the culture scene how would you recommend like people go about like putting their ear to ground, ear to the ground? How would you recommend they go about learning just more about streetwear in general?
2: I think the beauty of this upcoming generation is that they have all the access at their fingertips through the internet, as long as they're looking through the right channels. I mean, I think it's really easy to find out. What dunk is going to be the most expensive on resale next? Mm-hmm. But I think it takes a little more effort and a little more true passion for the culture, um, for you to not be afraid to ask around. And I think that's that's maybe it. Maybe it speaks volumes to like the modesty that people have in general, like as a society of like not not liking to ask for help or wanting to always um, show off this ego that I already know everything, um, especially in our culture. But um, I, you know, I think I excelled pretty quickly when I was younger by saying, wait, what brand is that? Where did you get it from? Like, I've never heard of this. Can you educate me on that? And I think a lot of kids are afraid to do that because they come off as like someone who wasn't in the know, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think if you are willing to reach out to a creative that you look up to or a brand that, that you look up to, I mean, just as you had mentioned how fast I answered a DM, I think people are very willing to engage, um, and you know, at a micro level, um, because that's where you warrant, um, loyalty in customers. So, you know, if, if, if you really want to find out, like, hey, how, you know, what are the best practices to to really build the business or how do I get into it, there are people willing to help. Um, and I think especially now in the midst of, you know, this, this quarantining era that it's it's put a lot of things in perspective for people in the industry who might have become jaded over the years. And they realize how important those followers and customers are. So I think coming out of this, people are going to be more willing to help than ever.
1: Most definitely, dude. I'm, I'm, I am I'm. mentioned I'm not sitting in my normal setup. I'm in my office because my apartment doesn't, my new apartment doesn't have Wi-Fi. And like the, the cleaner came in and like normally like she'll walk in, like say hi to my dog and then just leave. But we talked for like, like socially distance. We talked for like 10 minutes, you know, yeah. like. People, people miss interaction. People are so, so willing to help.
0: Yeah, 100%. You mentioned like right now, there's, there's, I think in the digital age, like we're, I I think everybody that's on this podcast and everybody really truly that's alive right now is very spoiled because we have this digital, um, we have social media, we have everything at, at our fingertips. And I was on, um, a Zoom call yesterday, and they they hit on this for about half hour, how how it's so easy to go on LinkedIn and find the right person to actually reach out to or anything like that. How does that differentiate from when you were um, really growing up in, in, in New York City and, and trying to find a way and try to figure out what you were
2: trying to do? Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe that tension of Approaching a stranger and cold calling via LinkedIn or DM is much easier than doing it in person because at least, you know, you're not in front of them waiting for an immediate response or seeing their reaction. Um, But, I mean, I used to recognize people from, like, behind the scenes of my favorite, you know, companies and blogs And again, doing that research, you know, I I would find out, wait, who's the designer behind this brand? Who's the owner? You know, you know, like what person blogs, you know, for, you know, for this site, you know, back then, I think people wanted to be a little more anonymous um, and, you know, be the people pulling strings behind the curtain. But I would figure those things out. And if I saw them, you know, in the street, I wouldn't be afraid to just, chop it up with them. And it wasn't necessarily to be opportunistic and, you know, finding a way to, you know, get a gig or get product out of them. It was really just kind of like, Hey, like great meeting you. I respect what you do, you know, maybe in the future, you know, without catching you off guard on the street, maybe we can, you know, spend some time and have a chat and pick your brain. I mean, that's exactly how I got into the business, um, of, of blogging. Um, I was the first intern at Freshness Mag. And back then, um, you know, Freshness mag was, you know, the the like the little street informant of uh, of like New York streetwear um and you know the two guys that founded it Dan Wang and Yuming Wu you know both pretty quiet chill guys and they just loved the culture and so they just wanted to share those those experiences with with everyone and so you know I followed the blog I loved it and again like don't know. Don't. E- I don't even remember how I figured out what they look like. But I was lining up for for a sneaker. I remember it. It was it was for the Clark Kent 112 pack. I was in Soho online at Michael K. And I saw these two guys taking photos. And for some reason, something clicked, and I was like, Oh, that's them from Freshness. And I got out of the line. I lost my spot. And I was just like, yo, love what you guys do. I want to intern for you. And they were like, we don't really take interns. Like, we're a pretty small operation. And I just shrugged it off, got back on the back of the line now, waited an extra hour. Um, <laughs> and whatever, like, you know, I, I still got my shoes, so it wasn't a complete loss. But, you know, I, I got their contact and I followed up maybe about three months later. And I was like, look, I really want to work with you guys. You know, I, I want to help however I can. And you know they were like, look, coincidentally, we're trying to launch a new feature on the site. It was for like a shopping guide. We were like, if you, if you are willing to go around every shop, take photos, take information, get all their brand rosters, get like their store information, we'll let you build that that part of the site. And that's what I did. And eventually, it turned into, um, you know, a a, um, a part time gig, you know, a paying job and then at the time Yuming had had ambition to launch a new site and you know had a small budget and he asked me to start blogging for that site and that's what actually turned out to be sneaker news wow so i went from interning for you know for, you know and 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 being like this nagging you know intern wanting to do everything i could for them into blogging for sneaker news i helped them i helped yuming launch sneaker con. Um, and then all this time, I was still trying to do stuff on the side for EB. And and then I eventually got into, you know, a, a full-time gig working for, for agencies. So, you know, people ask me, how do you become the creative director of Extra Butter? And I don't know the answer to that because that wasn't my goal. I just kind of meandered into that.
0: Mm. Like you, everything that you've... We've had a we had a conversation before this and it was only supposed to be 30 minutes and It ended up being an hour long because there was so much that we needed to cover. Uh, yeah. or we had to cover. It was an amazing conversation. <laughs> and I, I everybody that we have on it, something comes back to uh, it always comes back to like their upbringing and how that has really reflected and really um, guided them into the path that they're they're now on. Can we can we go into that? I know you're uh, yeah, New York sure. City born and raised, but you have an
2: interesting background and in how how that really affects you today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, to to much of people's surprise, when you when you look up the name Bernie Gross, you're gonna think that I'm some Jewish kid from New York, <laughs> probably from upper you know East Side. But um, I am actually I am <laughs> I am Chinese. Guatemalan, Filipino, um, with um, a a background being raised as a Polish Jew, so uh, and 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 having lived on Long Island for quite some time, uh, having best friends that are all Italian, so uh-huh. um, I mean, talk about like New York melting pot. Um, I think it's I think it's kind of created a perspective for me, um, and it's it's given me an appreciation for different cultures and I think maybe that's what's kind of lended this um, open channel for me to kind of reinterpret what extra butter will always be to me and it's not a it's not a very narrow one lane thing um, but yeah I mean my, my you know I'm I'm first generation on my mom's side I'm second generation I'm um, sorry third generation on my dad's side But, you know, er, you know, my whole family are all, you know, salt of the earth, you know, workers. Um, My dad, um, my dad has his own business selling light bulbs. He still to this day, um, you know, delivers his own product. Uh, I just spoke to him last night about how to set up QuickBooks on a laptop. (laughs) Um, You know, my mom, my mom used to clean houses and then, you know, got a, got a, a job, um, you know, working for Suffolk County in family court. And, you know, they, they really always just wanted me to have a very, you know, successful, well-paying job as, you know, a doctor or, you know, a physician. I, I did pretty well in school. And um, they just couldn't understand. They just didn't understand the things that I was into, you know, I mean, I was a B-boy when I was a kid. I was competitive. I I literally, like, would – I mean, I would go around and actually enter battles. You know, I was in a crew, and um, I would practice maybe, like, 30 hours a week. I mean, I was, like – I was ripped back then. But, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I was a B-boy. I was into sneakers. I would get in trouble for doing graffiti. And they just didn't understand it, you know, because they just saw, like – they just saw the academic side of me, you know, and just that, you know, wanted to be, you know, to excel there. And, um, I went to school originally in Albany for, for audio engineering. I'm surprised, I'm surprised they even let me do that. Um, and I got bored of that, you know, I I got really sick of it because, you know, and I'm not talking producing, I didn't want to be Pharrell. I wanted to be the guy next to Pharrell mastering an album. Mm. And that gets, That gets boring because you have to take physics classes and understand the properties of a wavelength, you know, from like a decibel, you know, point of view. And I, it just took the fun out of it. And I, I kind of felt lost and, and Albany just wasn't the right place for me. And so I, you know, I, I had to kind of figure things out and I I dropped out mid semester, took all my shit. I'm allowed to curse. Sorry. Yeah, you're fine. Um, you know, (laughs) You know, took all my shit home, and I just kind of re, recalibrated. I I took a semester off, um, worked as a temp at 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 Washington Mutual, and uh, everyone kind of was like, I don't, you know, we don't understand. Like we we know we know, you know, you were into DJing, you were into, you know, like the the audio stuff. You're a b boy, but like art was always your first love. And so I kind of reconsidered that and, you know, started taking design classes at a community college and then eventually got accepted into an accelerated program at FIT. Um, And that's kind of like, I don't know, my my thing was always like, look, like as a graphic designer, I can take all the things that I'm into. Like if if there was if there was an assignment of like, hey, like work on branding, I would just be like, okay, I'm going to work on extra butter. Like on, on like on like a logo for extra butter a graphic for extra butter or like if like a, a friend of mine like needed a flyer for like the next B-boy battle, you know, like I, I would just do that. But I've kind of taken all these things together and I think that's like – I think maybe that's the reason why I have the – the like my handle and my site is always Bam, It's Bernie because there are so many people that know me from like the street culture as bam like that was my b-boy name mm, bam nice. Rock. and then people just know me as bernie as a professional and my thing was always like no i want to kind of like always live in this weird realm like crossing the line where like i'm always doing both like if like if we had an event and i've done this like we had an asics event for our kill bill inspired uh dl5 pack and obviously like with like the famous scene from crazy 88 we had this this party, and I basically like we basically asked our b boy friends to show up, dress like Crazy Eighty Eight, and just start getting down in the middle of the party. <laughs> just, and so it was like like okay, I have a business, I have a marketing budget, I have to put on a show for Asics. So then I'm gonna bring in my friends, you know, on the b boy side, uh, you know, and and so it's it's really fun to kind of like always live in that realm, and I think that's my niche. Um, and I'd like to try to keep it that way for as long as possible, you know? And, and I think the B-boy part is just like a huge part of kind of how I am as a person and how I think of extra butter, um, kind of as like a platform. Um, you know, in that culture, there's always this real emphasis on carrying the torch, you know, like if you come up with a signature style or moves, um, or like an ethos for y- your crew. you want to be able to find like the next of kin, you know, the next up and coming dancer to like bestow those ideologies and those moves and that style um, and, and then educate them on like, hey, like this guy put me on. like this crew is influential. This crew is is from your neighborhood. You should respect them. Um, and I don't see that in streetwear much. I think I think as the as the culture, evolves very rapidly. People tend to forget what are the inspirations. For instance, a lot of people are really getting into dunks now and they're seeing the dunk as this relevant thing because their current influencer, say Travis Scott and, and Virgil Abloh are wearing them. But they have to realize that it's like six degrees of separation. Trav and Virgil wear them because their favorite OG guys from... You know, the 2000s were wearing them. And then those guys were wearing them because of, you know, their favorite college players wearing them. So there has to be this understanding of, like, why why trends are so or, like, how things become cyclical. I mean, you know, everyone's rocking tie-dye. But, you know, that was obviously, like, not invented yesterday, you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't know. I think, again, that kind of goes back to what we were saying before about just needing to know what to search online um and i i mean i think i think that b-boy mentality of like competitive like friendly competitiveness is what like drives me to say like look i respect all other retailers other guys in the industry like i'm cool with everyone um but there is that friendly competition of like yo like if i'm gonna come out with a sneaker or i come out with a north face like I love Supreme, but my 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 strategy every time I do a, a North Face is that yo, I'm gonna do the best fucking one. I'm, I'm gonna take them all out.
0: I mm, so, like
2: that. Yeah, I really do like that. We Q always says
0: like, no matter what, he's going to like.
1: I'm gonna fucking crush you. Yeah, he's gonna yeah. fucking
0: crush us. And <laughs> no,
2: like, you, you have to, you have to. I mean, I I hope, I hope that, I hope that everyone watching the Last Dance. Understands that and appreciates it. Exactly. I don't. Yes. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that. <clears throat> I, I mean, I I I I heard rumors that the 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 whole reason why this finally came out is because Jordan got sick of the whole goat conversation amongst LeBron and Kobe. Yep. But if anything, look. If anything, we just need, or the 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 younger generation just needs to see someone else showing work ethic. That's mm-hmm. it. That's the only thing I get out of it. Is that. Kids need to see that you don't like you can't always be nice. You're going to have to be aggressive to get what you want. You're going to have to work your ass off. You're going to have to hold people accountable. I'm not saying chastise them and, you know, and whatever. But, I mean, people, I don't know, kids hate confrontation. There's plenty of people that hate confrontation. And my thing is just like, look, I can confront you without being an asshole. I can confront you without cursing you out. But if I expected more of you, if you're on my team, you're hired as part of EB or I'm working with you as as a partner, I expect something out of you that meets the same level of um, not only ambition but ethic and execution as what I believe people hold up upon me.
1: Thousand percent, dude. I was a I was a big Kobe fan, and like when I was growing up, like people were always like, "Yo, dude, you gotta tame it down. You're too competitive. Like, we don't really need to win. We're just here to play," you know. And I was always like, "What the fuck are you guys doing? Like, I want to win. That's just who I am." And like Kobe was like the first person where it's like, it doesn't matter if you're the bad guy. Like, I'm gonna throw up 90 shots. I don't care if I make 20, whatever. You know, like no one else is shooting. That's just always how I've approached everything. And in the Jordan documentary, like. I was watching it, and something that stuck with me and i i think it's gonna stick with me forever it was like when he played like it didn't matter like if you were there he played like it was the last time or like someone in there were only gonna see jordan for the first time you know like yeah. that was the first time they were gonna mm-hmm. see you and like there have been times in my career where i step on the stage and i'm just like fuck it you know i'm just gonna speak and i'll get my check and whatever like my brand's gonna carry me and like I heard that, and I'm like, shit, bro. Like, shit. Like, Someone could... This is the first time they're going to see my art. This is the first time they're going to read my writing. This yeah. is the first time they're going to see me speak. And that competitive spirit, dude. Like, in business, and sports, it doesn't matter. That takes you so, so far. And I wish more people would just accept that, but it's... Everybody wants to please everybody.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is... I I totally agree with that. And maybe that also speaks to... How social can be dangerous for a personal brand or a business. And what I mean by that is that, you know, two or three thumb swipes down your feed, and you've already kind of forgotten what you just consumed. Yeah. And so the attention span is short, the turnaround is very fast. And so if you only have but a few seconds to capture someone's attention and impress them, then You have to go all out because the only thing that they're going to remember you from is what did you do last time? Not what you did five years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, It's, it's, it's hard because of the speed of technology to really have perspective on someone's complete body of work, their full portfolio. And so like, yeah, I can be really proud of some shit that I did five years ago. But at the same time, if my last collab was whack, then I'm whack, you know, (laughs) like, you know, like if, if, you know, if you have, if you have one really successful collab and you keep on fucking riding that thing for 10 years, like you're like, you're not relevant now. You, 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 did your thing back then, but I want you to keep on pushing and pushing and continuing to inspire because you inspired me once. You didn't. You don't, you don't like continue to, to inspire me doing the same thing, you know? Yep. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Like one hit, one hit wonder syndrome. It, yeah. write yeah. a song
1: and then, oh my God, I got to perform this song. Here's the same song. You, yeah. I know you like the song, like.
2: <laughs> and, and you know what? Listen, uh, I, I, and, and, and I don't, I don't want to deflate anyone because there's still money to be had there. If oh, yeah. you, if, if your goal is to, you know, generate revenue and have an amazing return of your investment and to be able to like support yourself and your family. Those artists who are one-hit wonders can put out a greatest a greatest songs compilation and and ride right into the sunset because they're just banking on it. And people do that and that's totally fine. But I think people I think creatives who listen to podcasts and watch, you know, streams and go to talk panels they're there with the ambition to really have an understanding of being an innovative and you know progressive designer and artist and someone who like really pushes and challenges themselves and so like there's a huge difference between being an artist and a designer i believe and i'm very pragmatic with that too like i i i i, I believe in i believe that i have a really great understanding of who i am as like a creative and i hear I hear people use like this like jargon like vision and you know like uh you know like whatever like 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 all these things of like yeah I have a vision to do this I'm going to change like the the face of street uh, of streetwear and I don't know I I'm just like look like I I have a I have a really great understanding of my skill set in wheelhouse and my current um reach <laughs> through extra butter and I know exactly what I can do and what I can't do and what I would love to do. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think people just like need to have a better understanding of themselves. Like if you're, if you're not going to think like that, or if you, if you know deep down, it's really just about the money, then like, don't, don't RSVP to that, to that workshop and take a seat that, that someone else could value way more.
1: Agreed, man.
2: Exactly. We Q
0: and I uh, were collegiate track athletes. Um, you could barely call me an athlete. I I <laughs> literally walked during practice sometimes. Uh, but there was uh, a, a few times where we would be done with practice, just obviously uh, just lifted or ran or did both, and then like legs like basically shaking because they're just so tired. And we would go play pickup basketball, even though it was technically against the rules for the track team. Uh And we would go and play pickup basketball for like three, four hours in the college gym. And um, we would, people would be pissed if Q and I were on the same team because we were so damn competitive. And we're more than likely, most of the time we were playing with uh, kids that were maybe a year or two younger than us. But we were just like, I would be so competitive where um, I'm definitely, my dad definitely raised me. um, Obviously, he grew up. In Chicago, 90s Bulls, um, he wanted – he he basically said no no easy baskets. And I 100% told people that th- th- every time I, I, f- <laughs> I fouled hard or anything like that. But it goes to show – like I, I think just that mentality – um, even though Q and I went completely different routes after after college, there's just something to say with like we we both had that same mindset that that tenacious like i don't care if I'm tired I still like if someone's playing I need to win type of thing and i i just I think that a lot of people get okay with where they are like we've said, and I just want to hit on like changing, changing perspectives. And like, even before COVID hit, um, like a lot of people were very, very comfortable. Um, But now every everybody's had to pivot, like, our content agencies had to pivot tremendously. And whatever we're doing today, like podcast wise, everything like that has had to pivot. Can you go into like how you're dealing with COVID from a business perspective? And then
2: uh, from a personal perspective? Yeah, sure. Um, You know, I think, I think going into, you know, the, the, the lockdown here in, in New York, particularly, um, the first challenge for us was to prepare for our Adidas collab that was coming out. Um, we had just put out our, um, some product that we produced with Adidas Consortium and, you know, the the first concern was like, look, we we were banking on having a launch party. We were banking on you know a lineup for this, you know, which would obviously help with you know sell through and and and, and create some energy for it. And that immediately got squashed. Um, in fact, even prior to the to the official lockdown, um, we were prepared to we were prepared to produce the the lookbook and the video in late March. And, you know, we were doing it on set in a brownstone in Brooklyn and people were already kind of on edge. And the owner decided that he wanted to cancel the the shoot because he didn't want anyone in his house. And, you know, that turned into this whole thing. And we, you know, we ended up convincing him that we were going to take like, you know, super, you know, super precaution with like how we handle everything and touching services and like I bought, I bought people like, you know, hazmat suits and like shoe covers. And we, we basically Cloroxed like we, we like Lysol wiped his, his entire house. Um, but yeah, there was like all this concern of like, yeah, like if, if this, if this shoe doesn't do well, like that's going to set the tone for how we go into lockdown. And, um, it was quite the opposite. In fact, it, this has become a moment of clarity for us because I think that, I think that our ability to be very transparent and approachable to our consumer has led us to have some great connections with customers and actually opened us up to having an even more inclusive audience than we ever thought we had. Um, You know, and just, you know, be very blunt with people. I think right now, like that, that level of transparency is kind of needed because we all have this very high degree of empathy and understanding for one another and just, you know, sharing the same you know situation. But, you know, even, you know, even messages like, Hey, we're an independent business. We don't really have like savings and, or like, you know, a deep pocket to, you know, keep everyone afloat and just, you know, like, you know, just chill for the next two months we would really support if you can, um, you know, to, to be able to keep the lights on. And those were things that, you know, going back to like the ethos of extra butter of like being, you know, like smooth and like, you know, flawless. Admitting that your business is failing is not smooth and flawless, but we kind of had to just, you know, fall back on our other pillar, which is, you know, engaging our community. And so Mm -hmm. if our community is suffering, I think they would have a better understanding if we were worried about suffering, too. Um, So, you know, we were you know, we we were very open and conscious of like, look, like we know money is going to be tight, but you happen to have money um, and you happen to want some gear. We're still open. Um, And then, you know, quickly. Once, once New York really started to go downhill, especially in Queens where I'm in, um, I mean, it's it, like now looking back, it has become the epicenter of COVID. Um, and I mean, I can jump into like a whole bunch of other things, like logistically of like why this has been a mess, but, um, but yeah, like we, we kind of took action of like, you know, there's, there's a lot of heritage that we have as a brand, you know, with, with, with Queens, like I, I, I'm in Queens now. Nick and Anker's family um, all lived in Queens when they when they emigrated here from India. Their uncle um, had their original footwear store in Queens. So we were like, look, like we want to act, um, and we we created this T-shirt uh, to raise money. It ended up raising, I think, like six grand. We gave it nice. to um, we gave it to Elmhurst um, and and Jamaica Hospital to buy it. it and it, and here's the thing, like it wasn't to buy PPE because they were good on that. By the time we, we, we reacted, it was to buy like other essentials that you wouldn't think, like they had so many patients that, you know, they didn't have enough phone chargers. So like they bought phone chargers. They didn't have enough, they didn't have enough food coming into the vending machines. So like they bought like, you know, snack packs and juice packs and And stuff like that, and so like it was really kind of like, hey, like everyone is raising money at this point. Um, Everyone's raising money now. Like you know, we're talking like, like we did this. We did this uh, by, I think the last week of March or maybe the first week of April, and we were just like, fuck it. We're like, we're just like we're not going to even really plan this. We're just going to just do it. You know, you just have to act. When when someone's in danger, you just act. You know, so um but now like everyone's strategic like oh we're doing this because it aligns with our brand and it helps with optics and like you know like yeah like we're raising you know like money PPE, all is bullshit and we were like whatever like look but like we're gonna make sure like this money goes to the right person or people or like sorry it's gonna it's gonna be managed by the right person to like you know turn this around and 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 you know and and do good um and i think you know I think like now that we're coming up on like sixty days or something, uh, you know, on lockdown, um, you know, people are like a little more casual, a little more comfortable with you know, um, kind of like how how brands and, and retail is reacting, um, and you know, you're seeing you're seeing all of these these bigger corporate doors um, clearly struggling. You know, I think I think yesterday or within the past couple of days. I heard like Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, J. Crew, yep. um, you know, all filing uh, for bankruptcy, and it, it's rough. I'm I'm not saying they deserve it or anything. I'm saying that this this has kind of created a pre, uh, like a precipice that forces retail at, and fashion as an industry to change. Um, I think I think coming out of this, everything everything is going to have to be reconsidered from the top down. You know, regardless if it's if it's mass wholesale or big box chain retail, um, if it's, you know, if it's private label, if it's direct to consumer, if it's, you know, uh, small business brick and mortar, I think everything's going to have to change. And I believe that us being small and being nimble will enable us to react fast. Um, And the team that we have in place are also just smart thinkers. Um, you know, they're people that have ambition, you know, it's great when we have people that love the culture because, you know, it creates great conversation and great morale. But at the end of the day, we're a business. And so we just need people with the right acumen on the business side to help, to help execute. Um, so I, I hope I answered your question, you know, you know, in a way, but, um, (laughs) Yeah, Definitely. I I, I no, think I did. think I think coming out of this the most important thing is that coming out of this I think we still have um I think we we still have a great audience, a great following, um you know, our engagement is super high. I'm really confident in the Extra Butter brand. Um you know, I, I'm 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 happy with what we've been doing because we really just amplified everything that we've done in the past where whereas everyone else is almost playing catch up because they haven't worried about that the community out, outreach and the and, and like the community engagement. Um, so it, it's it's kind of worked out where the things that we've uh, the things that maybe others and maybe even ourselves have worried about wasting bandwidth in the past in terms of like the community stuff where it doesn't necessarily turn a profit is now the thing that's actually keeping us afloat because it has increased our, our goodwill. Um, and on a personal level, I mean, I, I I think, I think this has been a great test for me personally. Um, you know, I, I, I love being social and, you know, as a face of a brand, I'm, I'm always kind of like in, in a room with people on the brand side, on the consumer side and engaging. Um, but I also love being alone um, and, you know, being in my thoughts. And you, normally when you hear someone say that, that alludes to something negative and it's not. I think I, I love having the time to kind of slow it down, even though my work schedule is crazier than ever. But being home and like in a different setting allows me to think differently um, and just have perspective on what's really important. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here to – and, and very fortunate to be with my girlfriend who's like been like a super supportive, um, you know, element in this um, and has been here to, you know, help sustain a lot of the things that I can't necessarily do on my own while, while running the business from home. Um, but – yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think coming out of this, I have a better understanding. Um, not to underestimate my voice to like my following or extra butters following. Um, you know, I think I, I think I've been a little modest, maybe shy uh, about like wanting to kind of boast about my past and my career and kind of I don't know I I like that my my career has never been to like portray myself as a personal brand. It was just something that I wanted to challenge myself with. But I, I also understand that my story inspires people and gives people a better understanding of how to, how to be successful. Um, and some of the content that I've been posting people, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's generated a lot of curiosity and people are just hitting me up on DM and just be like, Hey, like, you know, why did you, you know, design it this way? How come you didn't do this and that? And so, um, you know, I've realized that I I have a platform to inspire. Um, and, you know, going back to you know my my freshness days, I I had a coworker who I didn't realize until very recently was a mentor of mine. I mean, he 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 put me on to a lot of things, and just the way the way he interacted with me with with me was very nurturing um and he actually passed away recently from covid and Mm -hmm. um and you know just it i mean one yes it, it was a shock because you know obviously like i i've never joked around you know like about covid like i know there's like memes and people are trying to take it a little more lightheartedly and i understand it i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not I'm not condescending on that. If that's how you cope, that's how you cope. But when someone, you know, passes away from it, it does become exponentially that more real. And when it was someone that I knew deep down was influential on me, but like, it doesn't hit you until like, you realize you've lost that person. Um, And seeing like the, like the, seeing the outreach of other people in the industry, be like, yo, like he was a real one. He was so smart. He would do this. He would do that. Um, it's kind of—I don't know. It's—it's—it's it's, it's created this this like—it's—it's um, it's created this like bubble inside of me that like wants to now carry that torch. Like everything that he taught me in the way that he was very nurturing, I want to do that for other people. And so I have all this like wealth of knowledge. I have all these resources. I have a platform through EB. And I believe that now a big part of my purpose is not only for Extra Butter um, to excel in community outreach, but I as an individual really need to step it up and engage and empower um, the next creative.
1: That's incredible. I I heard something or someone commented something on a post I made a while back and it, it essentially was like, hey, like I... Underestimate my significance. A lot of us underestimate our own significance, but something I've practiced, he went on to say, is that write down a list of your accomplishments or write down who you are and then change the name on it, you know, put someone else's name on it. He's like, damn, like I'd hire that person, you know? Like, yeah. So many of us underestimate our, our significance. And really, when there's so many people out there that need to hear exactly what we're, what we're doing or exactly what we've done, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: I, there's a lot to say, um, to people that have that recognize what you, you have, um, really that you, you want to empower and you want to inspire, um, the next generation really. And do you want to chat on like, what's next for you? Like, have you really hit on, or really got into thinking like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to do this next.
2: Um, do you know what's next? I don't know what's next, um, and i i would like I would like it to be that way um, for just a little more time. Um, I like that, you know. I think <clears throat> I think when you have instances like this, you know, like metaphorically, this is one giant car wreck, <laughs> like <laughs> at a like a, yeah. at a global scale, and. I think you need time to process that car wreck, you know, (laughs) and, you know, kind of like, you know, whatever go, go through your, like your emotional recovery, go through your financial recovery, like all this stuff. Um, But I kind of want to be able to like now, like, again, I've had that moment of clarity. I understand that I want to do more. I'm processing that. I want to sit back and now say, okay with the resources at hand, with my current knowledge, and again, being pragmatic of what I know my capabilities are, how do I do that without just having the blind ambition of, I'm going to go out and just fucking change the world? You know, again, I don't, I don't want to be like that person who just blindly has ambition. Um, but I do believe that I want to continue um, engaging on, you know, on, on these opportunities, like you've given me to be able to speak to an audience and kind of share, share, you know, my, my, my experiences and, and, and my insight on, on the industry and the culture. Um, I want to try to have more, um, in-person workshops at the store. I mean, we, we've always been pretty good at that with having talk panels, bringing in, you know, um, you know, respectable names and, and like voices of authority. But I think I want to be part of those, conversations instead of just being the host or the moderator. Um, and just maybe getting back to doing more like hands-on. Um, you know, I think, I think with everyone being so bored, they're, they're trying to find crafts that entertain them. And I think that's something that I'm, I'm really good at and I just don't have the time for it. So if I'm going to find time, might as well do it with Fifty other people around me, where I can like share that experience, and they can learn something from me, and I can learn something from them. So, you know, whether it be you know screen printing courses or you know like cut and sew courses, um, I want to re- like reach out to friends and say like, hey, like, you know, I, I, I know you feel some type of way too coming out of this, and I will let you process it, but you know, maybe we can just kind of work together. Um, and I mean, on, on the EB side, I mean, you know, I think that by the time this podcast comes out or, you know, whatever, like, you know, we're, we're, we're like, we now we now finally see like some type of finish line on the horizon in, in terms of a lockdown. And I, I would be very confident to say that EB as a brand has taken full advantage on the back end of identifying the right opportunities to come out very strong. Um, You know, we've we've kept in touch with brands. We've we've shared our consumer insight. We've we've had Zoom uh, focus groups that, you know, that that we've collected, you know, information on having like the right kind of mindset. Um, We've all been keeping busy and like I've already locked in like three, four collabs, (laughs) you know, in the past, like, you know, in the past, like month and a half. And so for the people who have stores or have brands who haven't used this downtime to still keep sharp and still find ways to come out of this um you know with with substance then maybe you're in the wrong business (laughs) you know Mm. i feel it i feel i'd love
1: to get your perspective on like what's next from like an industry perspective because like there's this beautiful blend between like fashion and arts and music and video games yeah. and all these different things that you could throw into this melting pot, you know, like Apex Legends Hype beast skin or League of Legends partnering with Louis, you know, like right things like that. Like, where do you see it going? Like, what's next? What should be? What should people be paying attention to?
2: I don't know if I have an answer to what people should be paying attention to, but I think people should just have this, have, I don't know. I, I, I think people should be primed to expect anything, is, is, mm-hmm. is basically what I'm saying. Is that um, the internet makes the world much smaller and it blends genres and it, it blends communities. And so niche isn't necessarily niche anymore. You know, you can't say mm-hmm. that streetwear is for only people in the know when Virgil Abloh is the fucking creative director of mm-hmm. Louis Vuitton like people know where to find the right resources and the right and the right you know like inspiration so um i think that said like things are blending together and therefore in like sources of inspiration have become wider so you know back in the day like if you were if i don't know if you were into say graffiti that that basically alluded to you have to listen to like 90s boom bap rap you have to be like disenfranchised you have Mm -hmm. to wear like some type of like shitty skate brand shoe you know what i'm saying and that's not the case anymore you know like you know a kid a kid can be wearing a bape shirt and you know uh uh like watch Food Network and not be ashamed of it and listen to, like, to Taylor Swift. Because, like, because that could just be a thing that you're into. Like, as long as it's, like, meaningful and impactful to you, I think kids are going to find different inspiration. And I think that crossbreeding is what's essential for our evolution anyway. So, um, you know, the fact that we're seeing gaming getting integrated, the fact that we're seeing, you know, uh, like, global globally scale... Uh, uh, artists becoming influencers, you know, the fact that streetwear designers or gu- guys that are part of streetwear are, you know, now, you know, working for bigger brands, it's it's inevitable, you know, and so people don't like to see that change. I, I get it. Like there are purists and a part of me is still purist where I'm just like, man, like it's not what it used to be. But if I'm doing the same thing for 30 years, it's 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 not it's not meaningful then it's 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 not like i'm going to look back and say like man like that has become so monotonous um and i think that also impedes on you know your ability to create a career out of it you know if streetwear stays the same and it's it's only the same amount of brands then there's a cap to job availability the second you start collabing with gaming the second you start partnering for different activations it's creating opportunity for the next kid to find a job in this culture and in this industry to to not only make a name for himself and challenge himself but put bread on the table
1: retweet man retweet i love that i yeah,
2: appreciate it that's dope <laughs> the, the biggest the biggest takeaway i have is you know especially coming out of this basically is to not be afraid to just go out and get it you know I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think, I think the biggest problem, even though I, I, you know, we started this conversation with me saying like, man, like the world is at, is at you know, is at your fingertips? I think the problem is like yourself. Sometimes people get into their heads and they worry about all these little details of like, I have to first have, I, I first have to have a portfolio. Wait, I then have to have the illest site. wait. Is this a cool-looking theme that I have to download? Wait, I need a logo. No. Like, just get the shit out. Just If you have one yep. design and you like it, send it to somebody and say, hey, this is what I can do. Are you interested? I won't worry about building my portfolio. I'll build your brand, you know? And, like, I, I, I keep saying this. I, I've always said this thing to my friends, but I, I want to share this with everyone. Like, there is such a thing called paralysis analysis, where you worry about the details too much that you never end up actually doing anything because you're so goddamn worried that someone's going to reject you for those small details. And you have to realize that like, ambition is a really simple idea. It's that you want to do something big. And so if if you say you want to do something big and you express that, no one is going to say ah but you didn't have a dope logo though like no like you aspire to to do something and so you know get out there and for the remainder of quarantine build build your skill set build your wheelhouse go on youtube figure out how to use illustrator figure out how to use 3d cads and then fuck up and then realize that that's not what you're into i mean that's a huge that's a huge part of it too is You know, someone wants to become a creative director, but then they realize, like, maybe they fucking hate marketing or hate working with brands or, you know, don't necessarily want to learn digital programs. Okay, so then become a fine artist, but that's okay. You know, but the the whole part is, like, you have to kind of fuck up and realize what you are and aren't good at so that you can be more self-aware of yourself and figure out how to, like, come out of this with the right – direction of you know how to propel yourself it's not just about you know putting yourself in like a cannon and shooting yourself out into the sky it's at what degree and what like longitude
0: mm. i feel it dude i love that i i love your overall attitude towards everything i i i truly like I the word keeps coming up but like tenacity is just like i I don't think had you gone the the Albany route and didn't drop out, I have a feeling that you would have made shit happen no matter what and that's just that has something to say with just like who you are and you how you approach this thing called life and yeah um it's it's amazing and i there's a ton of uh other things that you guys are working on, and I don't want you to go crazy into like what you're working on or anything like that. But do you want to go into uh, as we wrap up here, do you want to go into like what you're really excited for uh, in the next couple months?
2: Sure. Um, I mean, we have, um, we have a couple of things in the pipeline. Um, uh, I won't share. Yeah, you're right. I won't, I won't share too much, but I mean, we definitely have a couple of more footwear collabs um, you know, that we have in the mix. Um, you're going to see some, some fun stuff with us and, and ASICs. Um, uh, we have some, some, some pretty, um, fun things with, um, I mean, when, when we reopen, hopefully, you know, with the right protocol, we're still going to have some dope build outs, um, you know, in store. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, people, people who are, Familiar with some of our previous collabs and partnerships with, say, you know, Nike, Adidas, Asics, Saucony, North Face, you're going to still see that stuff, um, you know, in the pipeline. It's just it's just really the question of, um, you know, when, uh, you know, with everyone kind of re-strategizing.
0: Take that. Take that. Well, uh, dude, first of all, I appreciate you jumping on. I have one last question or er- two last questions for you. The the last one is um, where can people find you? And before we get into that, can we, (laughs) can I weird way of asking. Yeah. Weird, (laughs) totally weird way. Um, Before we get into where can people find you? uh, What makes you strange on purpose,
2: Bernie? What makes me strange on purpose? Um, I believe that the stuff that I was into when I was a kid, the, the random things, um, just, um, has created this, this lack of filter (laughs) for me. And maybe that's where that tenacity comes from. It's not, it's, it's my willingness to not necessarily be afraid of what I'm into and what I want to say and where my imagination goes. Um, and maybe that's why my B-boy name was Bam. Like it just, it's it's like that hyperbole of my personality. (laughs) Um, but Yeah, I I don't know. I I, I just think that, um, you know, without sounding cliche, like, you know, the term YOLO is is whack, but (laughs) it it, like you, you truly just kind of have to embrace that, that idea, you know, you just have to go at it. You know, my my dad used to always say, like, what you don't ask for, you don't get. Um, So, you know, just go out and like, don't worry about the fails, you know, Mm -hmm. worry about the wins. I love that.
1: And then he asked really weird, but where, <laughs> where can people find out more?
2: <laughs> uh, you can find me uh, at at extra. Uh, sorry. You can find me at Bam, it's Bernie, uh on IG. Um, and you can follow at extra butter um, and find out what products I'm working at. Dope, man. Awesome. It was awesome chatting with you. Yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah. Man. Appreciate you. Of course. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah, it was, was fun. Great-